you have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visionary, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example why after several thousand downloads in just over a year, small business owners, CEOs, CFOs, partners, and general managers download Small Business Celebration Podcasts in record numbers on a weekly basis. We want to thank the tremendous content that our visionary guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visionary Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast internalize our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guest this week of Christmas is the lead pastor of Christian Life Assembly, also known as CLA, Pastor Kevin Cottle. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. For Visioneer Nation, you're probably wondering, why on earth would Michael be interviewing a pastor on a business podcast? One of the questions or one of the concepts that comes up frequently is the morality of money. Is it okay to earn a substantial living? And the reason I've got Kevin on the podcast today is to discuss this very topic because this is a question that's come up numerous times. And we've had other guests that have attributed their success to their faith. Before we begin, tell us a little bit about Christian Life Assembly and what brought you here to beautiful Tehachapi. <laughs> Christian Life Assembly is, uh, we're an Assemblies of God church, Christian church here in Tehachapi. I've been the pastor here for uh, just 10 years this month, 10 years of January. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. And actually, I grew up in this town. I have a passion for this town. I met my wife in high school here. Nice. The truth is I came to Christ. I came to faith in this very church. Wow. Uh, when I was 17 years old, I did not grow up in the church, in the church at all. I didn't grow up in a, a faith home. I, I would say our, we believed in God in our house, mm -hmm. but nobody really had the time to talk about it. Came to faith at this church, and then I was a youth pastor here in the early 90s. Went away and did some other things, and then came back 10 years ago to pastor here. And have a heart for this town. I love Tehachapi. I love the people of Tehachapi, and I love this church. I felt like we're comfortable talking this kind of language that God directed me here to do something significant into Hatchby, but also in this church family, because I really, I really do love these people. One of the things that gets lost on some of these conversations when we talk about faith is that it takes money to keep, to build a church in the first place, and it takes money to maintain a church, and it takes money to expand a church. For those that believe that you can build a church without any funds or financing, <laughs> yes. good luck. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, just like anything in, in life, uh, just like your family, it takes money to operate a family. And as a church family, or, or as somebody would say, as an organized church in the sense, mm -hmm. we have facilities and salaries and employees. And so, yeah, and ministry costs money. So even if we do something for students or for kids, which we do a lot of, that stuff takes money. 
does your church, as far as fundraising goes, you have your weekly parishioner tithing that, that comes in. Do you do other kinds of fundraising and events that allows you to have that revenue in addition to the, the weekly tithing come into your church? Uh, we do not. We operate exclusively on what we call tithes and offerings. Mm-hmm. We don't have a like a national organization that sends us money to do ministry. So uh, within our denomination, which is the Assemblies of God, we are considered a sovereign church. So Christian Life Assembly is its own thing in some respects. So everything that we do here comes from, as we say around here every week, the generosity of the people that call this place home. We fundamentally don't believe that it's the community's responsibility to support our ministries. Mm -hmm. So... We talk openly here about we don't do fundraising here at CLA. Our youth ministries, our kids' ministries do not fundraise to go to camps or things like that, outside of the church at least. Right. Because we feel like it's our responsibility as as the church to take care of our ministries and to fund our ministries. And we're here to serve the community, mm-hmm. not to receive from the community, if that makes any sense. For your parishioners, for whom you have many, is varying levels of income generosity that they can provide to the church. For those that are more financially successful than others, how do you help them on their path to God, or with God, I should say, and help them with the, with the idea that earning a substantial living is a good thing? Yeah, well, we see examples throughout the scriptures of people who were wealthy, Mm-hmm. And not just the Old Testament. Obviously, the Old Testament, there's a lot of that. Right. But even in the New Testament. But what happens is, I think, as, as a community, I, I'm going to say just generally uh, within Christianity, but even I would say the, that our culture's knowledge of Christianity would say what we see is that Jesus was poor. Right. That the disciples, obviously, while they had funds that were given to their ministry, and Judas was the accountant for the ministry, and you know how he did with that. But... Um, but there wasn't very much right. money involved. So I think we have a tendency to see, take that as, well, if we're going to mimic or if we're going to live the life that Jesus lived, then that obviously calls us to live a life of poverty. Mm. I think that's where that comes from. Sure. Where the idea within, even within the Christian community or within the, the business community of people of faith, and, and maybe this goes to other faiths, not just Christianity, too, mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, that, they're, that to be humble, you need to be poor. Hmm. Because that's what Jesus was, right? which I will agree he was. right. But what we notice from the Old Testament is that, I mean, the New Testament, sorry, is that there are examples of people who, whom Jesus loved and did life with mm-hmm. who were wealthy. For instance, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, mm-hmm. who Jesus stayed with a lot. And we see a lot of stories of him spending time in their home. They were people of means. And so they had enough means to, to hold up the disciples. So at least... 13 other people in their house. So they had a house that would house at least 13 other people on a regular basis and feed them and also support their ministry and were behind what Jesus was doing. And so obviously there was no, nothing wrong with having money. Right. And it was even, obviously Jesus loved these people and we don't read any criticisms of Jesus about their wealth because they were using it in a way that he would agree with or that he was for. They were using it for the kingdom, his kingdom. Right. I think you you touched on a very important point, is that it's not necessarily the having of the money. It's what you do with the money that's important. What are some examples of utilizing that money in a very positive way helps reinforce 
having that wealth is important. Within Christianity, we talk about money or wealth or goods differently. Mm. So we would say that as that anything that I have, I don't own. I'm managing it for God. Ah. So that every, everything that I have, including my family and my relationships, uh, you know, we're talking about money here, but whatever it is in my life, sure. if we're talking about to small business people, my employees, my, my managers, people that work for me, they are given to me by God. Mm-hmm. And my job is I'm not their owner and I'm not the owner of my things. Um, God has called me to steward them. That's a word we use to steward <laughs> or to manage the resources that God has given me. And I'm called to do that in a way that honors him. It's not a matter of how much a person makes or doesn't make as far as income goes. What matters is how am I stewarding that for him mm. in my personal life. So I happen to receive a paycheck from our church family mm-hmm. here, which in your listeners probably never think about this, but I do. And that is that every dollar that I spend as a family, somebody has given to God, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So they gave in an offering or nowadays we don't do offerings. They give electronically, but to the church. Right. And that, and then I receive that money as, as income, some of it. When I go to rent a movie or to go buy a meal or to take my family to Disneyland, I am humbled because I choose to be because I acknowledge that this is a dollar that somebody gave to God out of stewarding their dollars and his mission and his kingdom. And so I'm very aware of that. And so it's not about the amount of money that we bring in. It's about stewarding what God has given us as a resource. Ron, what's with the kazoo? That doesn't sound very much like Christmas holidays. It's because New Year's is just around the corner. And many small business leaders like to inspire their employees and their favorite clients for a terrific new year ahead. And each time a visioneer reserves an order for our affordable tables, linens, plates, flatware, glasswares, and all the other decorations or tents you may need, we blow a kazoo. But what if I want to reserve all of our party needs from you at Geronco? Is it too late for the new year? Mike, I'll tell you and any member of Visionaire Nation that listens to this podcast, come on down to our shop at 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or give us a call at 661-325-0855 or check us out on our website at Joronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals with an S dot com. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and, and a pen. And that was 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield at 661-325-0855 or on your website at Jeronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O rentals.com. We're here with Kevin Cottle, who is the lead pastor of Christian Life Assembly here in beautiful Tehachapi, California. Tell us a little bit about Christian Life Assembly and what it stands for and what is your mission. So yeah, Christian Life Assembly was born here in Tatchby in the 1950s. Came wow. out of the revival movement. A pastor came through in the 1950s like an evangelist, like in a tent, if okay. everybody remembers sure, those sure, kind of days, sure, sure. and was started uh, in the 50s. And so over the years, we've had uh, varying degrees of success in ministry here. So I became the pastor here 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we started what was a bit of a rebirth around a few things. Christian Life Assembly had 
been a traditional church and small towns, which Tehachapi is Mm -hmm. traditional churches have a tendency to be what exists there. And if I can be extremely honest, the reason that is, is because in a small town, there's only a certain amount of people. And if you don't do the norm, you tend to lose people. Right. Small town pastors have a tendency to keep things, play things pretty safe because you have who you have and you don't want to lose those people. Sure. We came in with a different mentality about 10 years ago and just kind of said, listen, we're going to be a church that does three things in this town. We're going to be a church that reaches people who feel far from God. We believe that you're never far from God, but, mm-hmm. but you people do feel far from God because of things in their life, situations, what we would call sin, or just life situations that take them to a place where they can't even imagine being close to God because if he's causing this, they have no, they have no interest. Right. So we wanted to be a church that actually reached out to those people and was a, a harbor or a place where they could hear truth come in and sit in a service or a gathering and leave here feeling like maybe they didn't agree with everything I said, but they'd be back next week to hear more. That was the first one. The second one was we wanted to be a church that provided a clear spiritual pathway Mm -hmm. so that it wasn't just about sitting in a Sunday morning service and listening to me for 30 minutes because that is not a great idea. (laughs) Um, But that actually provided a way for a person to say, hey, if I want to grow spiritually, if I want to grow closer to God, here's a pathway that I can do that. Mm -hmm. And the third thing we wanted to be was a church that served its community, no strings attached. And so what I noticed was when I came here 10 years ago, I was sitting in a city council meeting, the Tatchby City Council. Mm -hmm. I was invited there to pray in vocation. We still happens here in Tatchby, small town. Right. I'd only been here a couple of months and I was sitting in the front row and the city council was having a conversation about some houses downtown that were in need of repair or cleanup in order to make the city, you know, appear, look better. Right. Yeah. But the people that were living there either didn't have the means to clean up the neighborhood or they were senior citizens or didn't have the energy or the ability to clean up their homes. And so they were wondering about organizations that might help them clean up these homes. They started having conversations about different organizations, wonderful organizations, Lions Club, Key Club, you mm-hmm. know, Kiwanis, wonderful organizations in town that do wonderful things. But the church never came up. And not only not Christian Life Assembly, the church in general never came up. And mm. I know there are people sitting on that city council who attend churches, and they never once thought for a second, hey, the churches would help us. That moment 10 years ago is when I decided that when the city goes to think about a church that's going to serve the community or organization that will serve the community, they'll think of Christian Life Assembly. And so that's been our mission. And that is the reason why Dr. Justin Hebert asked me to come talk to you, because that is the very reason what you have been doing in the community is you've become a fixture in the community and one that people think of when they think of doing projects and talking to people and building up the community is the Christian life assembly here. That's good to hear. That's, that's our hope. <laughs> yeah. We, we do that in several ways. We partner with a school here. We, there are several schools here, but we partner with one because we feel like we want to do for one, what we can't do for all. So we can do a little bit for all the schools, but we want to do a lot for one. Mm-hmm. And then our, our hope is as we grow, we can expand that. We've done things like we bought a, we got a pair of shoes for every, every child in, at Golden Hill School here in town and socks, socks and shoes for Christmas a couple of years ago. 
we this year we redid their entire bathrooms, painted them, put up you know, you know encouraging statements in their bathrooms to kind of make them. A, everybody knows school bathrooms are never the, the most uplifting place, so we wanted right. to do our best to. Have, that's what they asked us to do, and we partnered with them. So we do several things like that. Sure, one of the things about this church is your front door atmosphere, and this is something that you have chosen to do on purpose. And tell us a little bit about what a front door atmosphere is. I learned from a friend, if anybody out there has church experience, you'll know when I'm, when I'm saying this, but a friend of mine was saying that somebody asked him one time, they were going to bring a friend to church, and they said, hey, is this a good Sunday to bring a friend? And <laughs> no, he, every Sunday is a good That's <laughs> He said that should be the response, right? Every right. Sunday is a good Sunday to bring a friend. But right. we all know what we mean by that, which is, is the pastor going to say anything stupid today? Is he going to say anything political that is going to offend my friend? Is he going to say something uh, offensive that's going to drive this person further away from the faith than, than toward the faith. And so we've all, if you have been in church at all, you've had those experiences right. and where you tell your friend, I'm going to have to explain this later. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, we've had those. I've had those. We decided that we wanted to be a church where every Sunday was a good Sunday to bring a friend. And so a front door experience simply means that our Sunday gatherings are designed for everybody, people of faith, people who are not yet of faith, people who would call themselves atheists, agnostics, maybe even anti the faith, but want to understand more or learn more or sit in an environment where they can learn some things and feel comfortable in the process and not feel like they're being attacked or but that's open to talk about those things. And so I say, as a, somebody one time said, Pastor, you don't talk a lot about you know, hell and sin and you talk a lot about you know, redemption and faith. And, and I, this is my line that I say usually is that I'm pretty clear that people don't come to church for the first time the day after they win the lottery. <laughs> that's true. That's right. True. I mean, right. that's yeah. not, right. Right. that's not the day you don't show up the day after your wedding when you've just, you know, you, you show up the day after you lost your grandfather or the day you went bank, the day after you went bankrupt or the, the day after you cheated on your spouse and they kicked you out. I'm pretty sure that when people land in a church gathering for the first time, they're pretty clear how messed up their life is. Right. What they're wanting to know is how can it get better? Mm. When I talk on Sundays, my goal is to help people understand that while I know and they know that they're here because their life is messed up, that God has a better way and that Jesus' life was, uh, gave his life for us and, and rose from the dead to give us hope for mm. a prefer- preferred future. Sure. And not just our current reality. For those that come for the front door experience and get the initial message, for those that want a deeper experience beyond that, does Christian Life do that, offer that as well, or is it a simple Sundays only, very thin message? Uh, correct. Well, thank you for calling my messages very thin. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you would not be alone in that. In that. I, I, like to, I, like, I like to say about my messages, you have to digest them at your own level. Yeah. Right. So if you're... So for if, those of us that think on a very thin level, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You fit right in. Uh, yeah, we obviously are working toward having, like I mentioned to you, a clear spiritual pathway. So we, we do what we call life groups. So we have about 20 life groups that meet all over town during the week. Mm-hmm as an opportunity to sit in around circles and have conversations about what we've talked about on Sunday. So we, life groups are an opportunity for our people to digest what was said on Sunday at a deeper level. So a little deeper insight into the scriptures, different look at different scriptures than I talked about on Sunday, and then deeper conversations into people's lives. You know, that's how we somehow, sometimes that's how we learn better than education is other people's lives 
and experiences that they've had. So uh, we do that. We do uh, Bible studies, and we have things that churches do as well. But those, the kind of the secret sauce for us is our front door gatherings and then our life groups where we digest that at a deeper level. It sounds like the, one of the major focuses of this church is community. Yeah, I would think in our culture today where, you know, your neighbors, the, the only time you really see them is when they open their garage door and then when they close it, that community is something that we all strive, that we, that we need. We don't necessarily think that we need it, but we need it. And so we do our best around here. We value relationship at all levels. So we do our best to, yeah, build an atmosphere of community. And we do that here by creating what I call a casual retentive atmosphere. Casual, retentive atmosphere. Yes. Okay. Here's what I mean by that. Okay. And, and maybe this, this equates to business, too. I, I would say businesses that establish a community or a following, I, I would say, have this same atmosphere. So we are very intentional about everything we do, mm-hmm. and everything we do is incredibly planned out, but it feels casual. Mm. I say Sunday morning is casual, retentive. It absolutely feels casual. It feels like when people get up to speak, it has a casual feel to it. Not, but it has absolutely been thought through to the very last minute. In a, in a business setting, I, I would say the businesses that do things well, that's how it feels. You know, when you think of larger businesses where, say, something along the lines of a Disney experience or something like that, where it feels casual and it feels normal, but it's every detail has been thought through along the way. As a business leader, you are a visioneer. You are ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than your mainstream competition. But what about your message? If your clients and customers don't clearly understand what you can do for them, you are leaving money on the table. If you confuse, you lose. Here at Small Business Celebration, we have a seven-step solution that can clarify your message and put you in the game. Don't leave money on the table. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session today. We're here with Pastor Kevin Cottle, the lead pastor for Christian Life Assembly, also known as CLA. And this is the week of Christmas. You have mentioned in the past that you're a reluctant pastor. <laughs> you did not intentionally set out to go into a life of ministry. What happened? Well, here's the interesting story. I actually did set out to start into a life of ministry, but into it, I... Along the way, I felt like I really didn't want to keep doing it. Mm. So there are some interesting dynamics that come with being a pastor. And along the way, I have sometimes felt like maybe I'd want to do something else. Mm. So I started off in a Bible college, uh, which like seminary would be what you know people would equate that to. Then started in ministry before finishing. And then I went back to college to Vanguard University to receive a psychology degree because I felt like I was working with teenagers at the time and I I felt a little frustrated only saying, I'll pray for you Mm. and without having any kind of understanding of what they were dealing with internally. So I wanted to get some knowledge so that I could back up my prayers with also with some practical steps Mm -hmm. so they could find to bring health in their lives. And then later on, I went to receive a master's degree in leadership, organizational leadership, because I was feeling like I wanted to be done and move on and go into business doing something. But the Lord has other plans. And every time, 
I try to make plans to divert my course. He keeps course correcting and bringing me back. Sure. It's not that I don't love what I do. It's not that I don't love who I am or that I love the church family. It's just that times it can, sometimes I, I feel like I want an escape. Well, even Paul was a reluctant pastor. And he wrote a lot of the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Indeed. And I, that's why I, I approach things. I try to approach things from a very humble perspective. I tell our people all the time, I'm just a normal guy. I have conversations in front of them about my shortcomings. They're pretty clear of my shortcomings because I make them available. Mm-hmm. And I never want to give the impression that somehow I'm different or elevated or special mm-hmm. because I want people to understand that I am only serving this role, but it's not a, a particularly special role. It's just another role in the church and that every role is important. Paul talked about that. You mm-hmm. know, there's the hand can't say the foot. I don't need you. And right. so, because I happen to be the mouth, I do a lot of the talking, but I'm not special in that sense. Having grown up here in Tehachapi and then you went down to LA to go to school and you came back what brought you back to Tehachapi? Yeah, Tehachapi has this appealing charm to it. My brother says, is uh, used to be the city manager of Tehachapi, and somebody asked him in an interview one time what he loved about Tehachapi, and he said, I don't know. If you ask me what I love about Tehachapi, I'm going to have the same answer. I don't know. <laughs> what I do know is that my life experience here has taught me that Tehachapi is a special place, hmm. that the people here are indeed special, and... I came to a point, I believe, where I felt like God could use me here, us, you know, my wife and I, to make an impact, to make a difference in a town that we love, in people that we love, that might come at it from a different perspective. So my brother comes at it from a political perspective, and he brought some change and did some good here. I come at it from a faith perspective, Mm -hmm. and I felt like we could serve our community, make a difference, make it a better place, and make it a place that I remember and love. Being the leader of a church is very similar to being the leader of a business. You've been here for 10 years and the church has grown and has changed focus and has prospered because of it. What is something that came along that you didn't expect, especially earlier on as the lead pastor that influences the way you make decisions today? Yeah, the church is, we would say, more than a business, but at least a business. And so, like you mentioned early on, there are finances to be taken care of. And because we're a nonprofit organization, and like I mentioned earlier, because we handle money that people gave to God, we are very, very stringent on how we handle those finances. So I would say things I've as we've grown along the way, I would say what's changed most is my leadership. Hmm. When your church is small, and I'm sure a business operates the same way, I know I knew everything that was going on here because there was only a couple hundred people and there was only me and one other staff member. I was pretty clear as what was happening day in and day out. And I think for me, one of my bigger challenges was the time, there was a time when I walked by one of my staff members' offices and he was having a conversation with another staff member. And I could tell that they were planning something and talking about something that they were doing that I did not know anything about. And I probably wouldn't know anything about it until after it was executed and done. 
And I remember calling a friend that day and saying, I, I'm struggling as a leader right now because there are things going on within the church that I am unaware of. And I don't know how to respond as a leader. Hmm. His response to me was, that's when you begin to change your leadership, right? Your church has grown to a place where you need to trust your staff members that they are on board with the mission and the vision of where you're headed, that you've hired well, that they know where you would take it and that they're going to take it there. And, and as I like to say around here, I'll get the credit. Well, God will get the credit, right? but I'll take some too. That was a huge deal for me. And I'm guessing there's some in business that happens when you get to a certain employee level or a certain manager level or where you hire a manager and there's a level of trust involved there where you have to, as an owner, as a CEO, as a, as a leader, just kind of step back and say, there's a certain level of trust here that they're going to make decisions well. That, the second thing I've learned along the way is 10 years ago when I started here, this is where I saw us. Mm. Where we go from here is a developing challenge for me. We would say within the church, I need to receive a vision from God for the future of CLA and where that takes us. I'm currently struggling with that. That mm. is my current struggle is deciding or figuring out where God wants us to go for the next 10 years after we've come this far, because I know what got us here is not going to get us where he wants us to be. And I do believe that God has bigger things for CLA, for Tehachapi, for us serving our community. And I am not sure how that's going to happen yet or what that's going to look like. What is one thing that Vision Your Nation could do today to grow a strong and profitable business? I started early on talking about finances. And I what I do know about the church and what I do know about businesses is that if you, if you steward God's money, well, he will provide more of it as a business leader. If you are generous, if you are honest, if you treat people with respect and dignity and provide a good service, God will honor that. And I tell people that all the time in their moral lives and in their financial life. If you honor God with your finances and with your life, he will honor you in return. And I think those principles work the same, whether a person is a person of faith or not. I think if we live God's principles with finances, he honors that. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I can't understand why they would after this. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, depends. If you're sending compliments, you can send them to. So uh, you can find me on social media, uh, Kevin Cottle on Facebook or at PK Cottle at Instagram. And how do you spell Cottle? Sorry. Yeah. Cottle is a tough one. That is C-A-U-D-L-E. They could also call CLA, call the church here at 661-822-3813. Or my email, Kevin at CLA Tehachapi. That's T-E-H-A-C-H-A-P-I dot com. And I'd, yeah, I'm happy to have conversations about these kind of things. Love it. Very good. Well, Kevin, this has been a real pleasure having you on the week of Christmas. For yeah, I'm excited about that. Here on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. We sincerely appreciate you being on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you.
Ron, what's with the kazoo? That doesn't sound very much like Christmas holidays. It's because New Year's is just around the corner. And many small business leaders like to inspire their employees and their favorite clients for a terrific new year ahead. And each time a visioneer reserves an order for our affordable tables, linens, plates, flatware, glasswares, and all the other decorations or tents you may need, we blow a kazoo. But what if I want to reserve all of our party needs from you at Geronco? Is it too late for the new year? Mike, I'll tell you and any member of Visionaire Nation that listens to this podcast, come on down to our shop at 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or give us a call at 661-325-0855 or check us out on our website at Joronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals with an S dot com. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and, and a pen. And that was 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield at 661-325-0855 or on your website at Dronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O rentals.com. <laughs> who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.